Okay. Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on CAST. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and I'm very pleased to welcome back to the podcast Charlie Hangley. Charlie, it's been a while, but the last time <laughs> I, the last time you were great. I don't know why it's been so long, but welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. I've been I've been off the grid for a little bit, you know, kinda laying low. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry, Charlie. I see those back. Facebook pictures. I see those Facebook <laughs> pictures. You're you're the exact opposite of off the grid. <laughs> you yeah, may be the grid profile. for all we know. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Sure. Uh, he was terrific last night. Seven innings pitched, no runs, eleven Ks, and and that in and of itself would have been outstanding. But then he threw in a double and a home run on top of it. And, you know, he's bounced back uh, nicely from the, the two disappointing starts that uh, he began the year with. So where do you stand on Wheeler, strictly as a pitcher? We don't need to talk too much about his hitting. Well, last, right. well, last night was, was beautiful to watch. Um, I That's as good as I've seen anybody, this, anybody not named uh, Jacob DeGrom throw in the last, you know, two years or so. So, um I think he's really turned a corner. I think he's, I think he's figured it out, you know. And if I could get one more cliche in, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's put it all together, uh, and not a minute too soon. Notice, notice he's got the uh, post Tommy John velocity back up too. It's amazing to see these consistent 98s, 99s, and 100s. I mean, he always threw hard, but he was in like in 95, 96 range. And then, you know, it, it, it's not earth-shattering for him to throw 199 at this point. It, it's wonderful. And then, the, to me, the thing that I really liked was he was just attacking and going after mm. everybody. And, and we were so used to the wheeler who would get ahead and nibble, nibble, nibble. Right. And this guy's saying, here's my stuff. Hit it if you can. And I love it. Right. Yeah. He's got that. I mean, I hate to say it because it's not really an apt comparison anymore, but he's got that. He's got that Matt Harvey mentality from 2013. Oh, oh, oh ow. Know. Ouch. Ouch. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, poor one out for 2013 know, Matt Harvey. Yeah. Well, yeah. he did good against the Yankees the other night. So there was that. He did. He did. He pitched really well. So do you think that he's going to uh, put up a, a reasonable facsimile of, of last year? Last year, this, he, uh, a f- the whole year is a total, not just the, the great second half. I mean, you look at what he did for the f- full year as a total. I think he was a, a four-war pitcher and had, uh, yeah. I think, the 11th best ERA in the National League. I, I think he'll at least do that. I think I think his entire year of 2019 is going to look an awful lot like the second half of 2018. My opinion. So, you're 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 bullish on Wheeler. So, did the Mets make a mistake not uh, trying to extend him earlier in the off season? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, this is his walk year, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of unsurprising that he's uh, that he's pitching well at the moment. Um, I think. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't think it's a mistake. I think uh, a lot of it is going to depend on where the Mets stand as we get deeper into this year, as we get you know closer to the deadline. Uh, if they're out of it, if you know, if there's no hope, uh, comes July 31st, I think they'll. I think they'll try and move them and get whatever, get the best package they can. No um, hope. Oh dear God. 
Get that pessimism said, out of here. I say if, if, if. Uh, if. No. We'll get that if out of here. Okay. We'll, we'll, get we'll have a we'll have a three game lead at the trading deadline. Okay, I'll take it. Maybe I'll I take should it. Have saved prefer, that for my. I'd prefer, I'd prefer five, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> From ifs to five, the the Charlie right. Hangley story. That's all right. Uh, I'm a study in extremes. <laughs> uh, I got a I got a question for you. We we sure. uh, we've seen some good hitting so far, and and these stats are coming into tonight's game. The Mets have uh, 11 hitters with at least 25 plate appearances, who all have a an average on balls on play. And remember, 300 is is considered normal of 316 right. or more, including Rosario at 350, Lagares at 357, Alonso at 360, McNeil at 409, and Smith at 526. <laughs> so, what happens to the offense when those guys when when reality sets in for those guys? Well, um, on a case by case basis, I think who's going to get bitten by the Babip gods? Uh, more than anybody All is, of, of course, Ligaris. It's going to be Ligaris because he's his whole career is based on, uh, you know, a when he's healthy and b a huge, you know, balls in play average. It's it's been like I remember you wrote a big piece on that when he was a rookie in 2014. Um, so I think he's going to be the one that's going to suffer most from that. Um, I think Alonzo is going to regress, but he's going to regress. Uh, you know, he'll still he'll still have big power numbers. You know, um, and McNeil just—I I, I mean, I've I've not seen McNeil other than the past like two games or so. I've not seen McNeil not rake. <laughs> you know. Um, and Smith, I don't really worry about too much because he's going to be a part-time player. You know, if he if he even stays around, we have to see what happens when uh, when Lowry comes back, when Jed Lowry comes back. So, um, I think the offense will still be fine, even if these guys, you know, revert to average. Now we're yeah. recording this in the middle of the third game of the Mets and, and Phillies, and we got to see uh, about four or five innings before we started. And Jeff McNeil uh, continued uh, his uh, good fortune ways in that in his first time up, he tried to bunt, and the uh, the throw from the catcher to the first baseman was not good, and they could have easily given an error, and they gave him a hit. And you know we wonder how come he's got this 400 uh, average on balls right. and play, and you know the, the the gods are just smiling on him. That's all there is to it. Right, right. But I but all I've seen him do is hit. You know he just he's he's kind of like he's one of these guys. You know like they used to say about Stan Musial back in the day. You know wake him at three o'clock in the morning, put a bat in his hand, and he'll wrap a single off a fastball. So. Now we mentioned earlier that 300 is considered normal, but what's normal for the league as a whole is not necessarily what's normal for the individual. And you right. know, the the more times that we get to see McNeil, and the more times he he does this, you know, then we have to start forming the opinion of well, maybe he's a guy who can run a 320 or a 330 on a regular basis. Someone like a David Wright. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm thinking for him and for Alonzo. And as as I say, even if Alonzo's uh, batting average goes down, he's still got that. He's still got some awesome power numbers, 
and will have awesome power numbers. So I think a lot of his his um, his on base is going to be uh, hit driven, you know, um, and but much of his OPS is going to be, you know, slugging driven. You know, so right, well, I, like I say, I, I don't really worry too up. much about Alonzo regressing to the mean. Is my okay. is my bottom line okay. there? <laughs> well, uh, as long as we are uh, all uh, sunshine and lollipops and happiness and optimism, <laughs> let's talk about the Mets bullpen. Last five games, they've got an ERA <laughs> of three twenty four. They've been good, and uh, we saw uh, Seth Lugo come on and and get uh, a key out here uh, right before we started. So uh, the bullpen, do you, do you think the relievers are, are finding their groove, or, or do you think this is just a, a small break from the uh, depressing awfulness that we will see all season long? No, I'm going to continue the optimism here. I think, um, I think they've, they've all started to click. I mean, Edwin Diaz has been, you know, basic money from word one. I mean, no, I, if anybody's got a complaint about Diaz, they need to – I have no idea what games they're watching, Okay. Um, Lugo had one or two really bad outings when he was sick, you know, and on a side note, speaking of which, what is running through the Mets clubhouse? Every time you turn around, somebody's got flu-like symptoms. The Grom had strep throat. Um, Lugo had, I don't know what, food poisoning. He had a bad boiler or something. What's good, you know, does it need fumigating? I mean, what's going on? Why is everybody coming downhill? Is it left over from uh, Noah's hand, foot, and mouth disease from last year? <laughs> Could be. I just hope it's not Valley Fever. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, we'll have Legionnaire's disease. Exactly. <laughs> but um, besides that, no, I think the bullpen has finally uh, got themselves worked out. I think with um, I think with more consistent roles. Uh, which I know isn't necessarily Mickey Calloway's forte, manager Mickey Calloway's forte, but with more consistent roles, like knowing when they're going to work, um, I believe they, uh, they'll they put in better performances based on that. So what's your take on Jerry's Familia? Do you think he just had uh, a bad outing or two in bad weather, or do you think that there's more reason to be concerned? No, I think it's just a couple of, yeah, you know, cold weather outings. Familia, I'm sorry, to me, Familia's been getting a bad rap for too long. Um, I mean, you've heard me, you know, I've written about it. You've heard me say it. Familia in the, everybody complains about Familia's postseason in 2015. He threw one bad pitch and ended up with three blown saves. So, you know, his defense did him no favors in the other two saves that he that he blew in the, in, in the World Series. So I, I think people are placing too much blame on Familia for that. Um, he did his job. His his fielders didn't, including I'm sorry, including St. David Wright. So, <laughs> um, so I really think that he's gonna. I re, I'm really I really am of the belief that you end up looking like the back of your baseball card. So I think Familia will get himself straightened out once the, once the warm weather comes. And again, once he knows he's got the eighth inning. And that's it. All right, well, we're going to keep searching until we find something that you're not optimistic about. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, Todd... it, it'll come, don't worry. <laughs> Todd Frazier, 
Um, started twice since being activated. Actually, I think tonight uh, makes three times. Uh, hit a grand slam yesterday. Uh, what's the plan with Frazier and, and the Mets and all their infielders going forward? I don't know. I think I think it's possible that the ultimate plan would be to, to get Frazier healthy, get him a bunch of at-bats, um, maybe even showcase him. Uh, you know, if they want to trade for a starter, if they, for some ungodly reason, don't end up signing Dallas Keuchel. Um, if they need to trade for another starting pitcher, uh, he might be the bait if he's playing well. But you I don't. Think he has I any mean, trade the value? situation really isn't really isn't tenable. You know, I mean, I think, you know, as I I wrote in the uh, in the comment uh, today when I said. Um, uh, that Frazier could be to this team what Michael Kadire was to the 2015 team. Um, and by that, I mean he could be, you know, the the clubhouse sage, you know, the go-to guy. Uh, because I think he's got his, um, I think he's got his stuff together a little bit better than Robinson Cano does. Uh, because I've seen, you know, having watched Cano for however long when he was with the Yankees, I always wondered about where his head was at. I don't wonder about that with Todd Frazier. So how many veterans do we need? I mean, there's there's Cano. All right, so you said you don't like him. What's wrong with Wilson Ramos? Ramos is steady. Um, I don't, but I've never gotten him as the quote-unquote leader guy. You know, I've never gotten him as the the David Wright or the um, oh or, or 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 like a Gary Carter type. I mean, he's a good catcher. He goes out, he hits, he does his job, but he's not the one to like point anybody in the right direction. You know, he's to me, he's, he's he's I've, a good player. He's going to play his game. He's batting right now, in fact. Um, I've never. I've never gotten the, the, the worshipping at the feet of the veterans thing that a lot of people have. Um, at what point do they cross that magic threshold? I mean, Juan Lagares has been with the team like five, six years. Does he have that veteran sheen with him now? Uh, I No, I don't think so because he hasn't been able to play consistently. You know, he hasn't in the last, since 2015, really. Yeah, since 2015, he really hasn't, been on the field past June. You know, I mean, I'm sure my my math is a little off, but as far as I can recall, he he's he's just you can't keep him healthy, so he doesn't he doesn't get to be that guy. <laughs> you got to play to 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 do it. All right, what about Keon Broxton? He's got to be pushing 32, right? Yeah, but he's he's never been a regular, and he's never been that big a guy. I mean, Frazier has. You know, Frazier's produced. Frazier's, you know, put up numbers in in the American League. He's put up numbers with the Yankees. He's put up numbers with the Reds. Um, he's been through the wars, you know. You know, Keon Broxton was, was, what, on one playoff team? So, I don't, I don't put much, yeah, I don't see that. Okay. In, um, in, in, cool. in many, I'll put it this way: in many ways, Keon Broxton is no Curtis Granderson. 
I couldn't agree with that statement more. Uh, bring bring back Curtis Granderson and uh, and uh, give give Keon a, a warm welcome uh, or a well uh, farewell, I guess. But uh, as as long as we're talking about uh, Keon Broxton, who I'm I'm not. I have not become a big fan of his from uh, his play in this very uh, brief part of the season. Do you have any hopes that he can turn things around? I mean, he's been he's been pretty awful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's a useful glove in late innings. Uh, if you need to, um, you know, when you need to mess around with defense, you know, if you want to take Frazier or Davis out and put McNeil at third, he can slot in center field shift or he slot in the left field. Because uh, you're not going to move Lagaris out of center, um, I think he. I think that's where his val- That's that's where his most value is. But he, you know, that means he's the what, you know, twenty second guy on the roster, maybe. Um. So I mean, I don't think he's going to get a heck of a lot of playing time. Uh, it depends on. Uh, uh, depends on how you know how well Lagaris does, how healthy Lagaris stays, and quite frankly, he's going to be number one odd man out when and if Cespedes comes back. You know, I mean, I know he's been the forgotten man because he's been on the DL forever, but sorry, the IL forever. Um, but you know, when Cespedes comes back, somebody's got to go. You know, and Broxton's going to be number one on that list. Broxton looks good in his uniform. He looks like a ball player. <laughs> but I'm reminded I'm reminded of Billy Bean's old quote in We're not selling jeans here. And uh, uh, Broxton might make a great fashion model, but he he looks overwhelmed, overmatched at the plate and he he's striking out nearly half of his at bats. And that's a that's a tough combo for uh, a reserve outfielder. Yeah, he's just he's not a major league hitter. He's just not a major league hitter. But at the same time, we said that about Lagaris, but he was a lot younger then. But no, Broxton just he's just, he's just not a major league hitter and I he's going to be the first you know, if we have a if we have a miracle cure for Cespedes, if he's back, you know, around the All-Star break, Mr. Broxton's going to be have a ticket out. So, we're going to have the roster crunch earlier than that because you know, the expectation certainly is that uh, Jed Lowry will be back at least by the middle of May, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, do you send down Dominic Smith, who has an OPS of over a thousand? Do you do you send out JD Davis, who's done nothing but hit? I mean, why well, would you keep Why would you keep Broxton? I mean, the, the idea that you would keep him just so you could cut him when Cespedes comes back. I mean, that seems that seems well, you've backwards got- and crazy to me. You've got a point, especially considering. Oh, sorry. Uh, especially considering um, uh, that McNeil can play the outfield. You're right. Boy, Cano just, whiffed, too. Cano just whiffed on a ground ball. That's why I let out that groan. <laughs> he let a grounder go right under his glove. Uh, looking like he could he could play for the Phillies on that way, you know. We had hopes, we had hopes that the Phillies were going to be a better defensive team this year, getting Nick Williams out of their starting lineup and moving Hoskins from left field to first base. But uh, they've been brutal. They they don't yeah. look good in the the infield or the outfield. Well, Cano basically Bucknered that ball. 
do so. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about Noah Syndergaard. Um, worried about him? A little bit. A little bit. You know, you mentioned before that, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler, when he got two strikes on somebody, would start nibbling, nibbling, nibbling and didn't have an out pitch and didn't have command. I'm seeing that with, with Noah Syndergaard, and I'm really surprised by that because it's almost like I'm looking at, you know, it's almost like looking at Al Leiter again because he will. He'll get to two strikes. He'll get one and two or two and two, and then all of a sudden it'll be a foul ball parade, you know, and his pitch count goes through the roof, and he just doesn't seem to have his last three starts that I've, that I've watched. He has not had that put-away pitch. He does not have that, you know, fifth gear or whatever it is that he needs uh, or that DeGrom has or that, you know, Wheeler has shown or, quite frankly, that Matt's has shown on on, on occasion. You know, Matt's, Matt's pitched a great game the other night, too, and he had the out pitch going. So I don't know what's missing with, with Syndergaard. I mean, apparently he's sick, too, from what I hear, from what I hear. you know. he's He's got whatever the bug is in the clubhouse. Um. So that's what I'm concerned about that because he's not putting people away like you would expect him to. Syndergaard had uh, a rough stretch last year when he came back from the hand, foot, and mouth disease. Had three or four starts that were like what we're seeing right now. But then he went on a kick where he finished incredibly strong. And and I'd like to, to think that he can get back to being that guy that he was down the stretch last year. I'd like to see him pitch inside more. And I know he did pitch a little bit, but, you know, maybe he needs to move somebody's feet. Yeah. Yes. It, it's just funny to me that the, the guy who in the World Series was the only one to, to make a, a Royals hitter uncomfortable in, in the box doesn't seem to have any inclination to do that here now when when people are teeing off against this 99 mile an hour fastball yeah I mean, it, he's, it, it's he's, crazy it, it, it it seems like he's lost the eye for that you know like he doesn't he doesn't have the he doesn't have the stomach for that anymore the other thing is i'd like to see him get rid of the ponytail the ponytail doesn't seem to be working for him <laughs> yeah he doesn't the, look let good the in freak the flag fly doesn't look good in a man bun. He's got to let the yeah. He's got to he's got to he's got to go full gazelleman on everybody. That's what I think. <laughs> now we've seen a lot of the uh, division here so far. Uh, two series against both the Nationals and the Phillies now, and then uh, a series apiece against the the other two teams in the division, uh, the Marlins and the Braves. Coming into the year, we thought that there was going to be four teams fighting it out for a, for a playoff spot, and they're all within, I think, a game and a half of each other coming into tonight. But um, if you were to see one of these teams falling off of the pace, who would it be and why? Uh, I would say... Um... When I first read the question, I would say I, w- I was going to say uh, Atlanta, mainly because their their starting pitching hasn't been uh, as consistent as it was a year ago, and they've lost their closer for the year. So I was I was thinking Atlanta was the most likely candidate, but really looking at the way the Nationals have been playing lately, I mean I think they're just. You know, I think they're I think they're sleepwalking. I think I, I think there might be a little 
little hot seat for Davy Martinez, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, so, you know, Atlanta could Atlanta could could recover, but I'm I'm saying I think Washington is the one that's going to finish ahead of the Marlins. <laughs> the Nationals were so quick to get rid of Dusty Baker after they had uh, no success in the playoffs underneath him, but. Making the playoffs is a lot better than not making the playoffs, isn't it? I wonder if they oh. wish they had a do-over with the Dusty Baker decision. I'm thinking. I'm thinking they should. But, you know, the, the, the Washington ownership is famous for those, for those quick triggers. Remember the whole uh, Jim Riggleman fiasco? Um, and you can say Matt Williams, too. And Matt Williams, well, Matt Williams just wasn't good. Matt Williams just was not a good manager. I mean... Much, much like our own Willie Randolph, how many offers has he gotten since he left? You know, um, so I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think Matt Williams got robbed in any way. I think Dusty did, and I think Riggleman did, uh, and to an extent, Davy Johnson did. Um, but Davy just kind of got old. Uh, but the, uh, I think the, I, I do. I think, I think Washington's the the candidate to fall off. So <laughs> I'm sorry. They just showed a clip on the Mets broadcast of Daniel Murphy in Colorado getting run over by the, whatever the races are that they have out there. It looked like two oh, big toothpaste tubes. <laughs> and of course it would be Murphy. <laughs> so <laughs> isn't he on the, isn't he on the injured list? And he he's out there messing around in the races. Come on, Murph. No, I think he he was he was on that. the field. He was walking. He was he was he was walking out, and he had a glove on, so he might have come off. Um, and he was in uniform, so I don't know. Um, maybe it was a an older clip, but um, <laughs> of of Murph in a Rockies uniform. Yeah, he did play a couple of games before he went on before he got hurt, right? Mm. All right, we've reached the crazy prediction time. I'm going to give okay. you a crazy prediction. I'm going to ask you to comment on it, and then I'll ask you to give me a crazy prediction of your own. Uh, you ready? Okay. Sure. All right, this is this is good because uh, I think I'm a pitcher two behind you, uh, and he just flew flew out deep to, to right field. It. But my my prediction is circles around Dominic Smith. And uh, my crazy prediction is that Dominic Smith does not get sent to the minors and instead spends the whole year in the majors. So tell me, how crazy is that? Um, I think it's kind of crazy, actually. <laughs> I, think, I hit the mark think, for once. There you go. <laughs> um, no, because I think that, quite frankly, they're paying Frazier and Lowry too much money to, to, keep, to, to not keep them around. Um. So if if somebody's got and you know JD Davis has suddenly become a fan favorite, but so has Smith. So, but I don't see Smith sticking. I I I I think there's just going to be too many bodies for too few positions, and Smith's going to be the well, odd man out. And and I think that that's the conventional wisdom that uh, <clears throat> there's there's too many infielders, and and the fact that they don't view him as an outfielder at all anymore. Which is probably the right decision. Which uh, but, right, <laughs> but that's not helping him in in this particular case. But my my opinion is that they're either going to uh, consider 
Davis an outfielder, which they haven't really done to this point, or that they're going to cut Broxton and then just go with four outfielders. So yeah, I, I yeah. think that he's hitting too well to uh, to to just uh, say goodbye to, and I think he's a, a valuable uh, bat off of the bench. And you, you think about uh, Davis, and and you think about uh, Frazier. I mean, those guys are righties, and then you can uh, balance that out with the lefty Smith, and whoever the backup mm. catcher is is a righty too. So um, I think they're going right. to want that that lefty bat off of the bench, and I think that's what's going to give him at least the shot to, to stay up here, providing, of course, that he continues to, to look like a, a ball player, which he has uh, up until this point. Exactly. It's, and, that, you know, as we always say, it's not a bad problem to have. Right, right. All right, you hit know. me with yours. What's your crazy prediction? Mine, Pete Alonzo puts up 42 home runs and 133 RBIs. And walks away with the NL Rookie of the Year. Well, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, that might have been a, a crazy prediction on March 25th or whatever before <laughs> the start of the season. But given what we've seen from him so far, I mean, I think that the the biggest uh, hurdle to that, it seems right now, would be, you know, if Mickey actually continues to give him some days off like he like he has already. 42 home runs is is a lot to ask for anyone. It's an awful lot to ask for a rookie. But how many does he have already? Seven? Eight? eight something eight. like that? So yeah, he's got when eight. You have eight. When you have eight and uh, there's still a, a week to go in April, um, you know, he's he's certainly off to a good start. I, I, I can't give that a full-fledged crazy, uh, but I, I do say it's it's optimistic. Yeah. Because 42 yeah. is I, a big, big, big number. And he's, and he's just come out on deck. He's going to hit for somebody anyway. Um, All right, well, let's... Let's move on from the crazy prediction and yeah. let's uh, let's uh, bang out uh, one last question here. And I think this is something sure. that you touched on on briefly earlier. And, and uh, the the two big free agent pitchers that are out there, uh, Dallas Keuchel and, and Craig Kimbrell, the uh, the the former a starter and the, the latter a reliever. Um, should the Mets consider them? Are you worried about how they'll do after not pitching competitively here for you know since last? October? Well, I think um, I think they definitely should consider uh, Keiko as a, a replacement for Vargas. They lost out on one today when Gio, uh, Gio Gonzalez signed with the Brewers this afternoon. Um, now, as it turns out, Gonzalez, Gonzalez is actually, I've heard earlier today, had a higher whip than Vargas did. Um Sorry, had to watch a play. Um, but, um, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, Keiko, I think um, it's, he's, he'll, he would take, what, three weeks to get ready? I'd do it. I'd sign Keiko. He's just too, he's just too, too good a pitcher, you know, to be sitting around too long. Kimbrell, I think, is a little... Um, uh, He'll be a little more of a dicey proposition because he's a little more demanding. You know, he had specific things. He wanted X amount of X amount of money, X amount of years, and only be the closer. Well, you know, 
it's now the end of April and you're still sitting home. So I, 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 I'm not sure I'd go in that area. But Keuchel, I would definitely give a look to. You know, I'd let him pitch up through, you know, St. Lucie and Columbia and 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 Binghamton uh, until he got himself in shape, and then you know have him come in and you know start start pitching around Memorial Day. I'd do it. I would. Now, you you mentioned the the disparity in what they're asking. I think when the off season started, Kimbrell was looking for six years, which I think is the reason that he's still unsigned uh, as we speak. I've heard that those demands have dropped to three years, but that's still a, a tough sell. Uh, three years for for a guy who's essentially already missed, you know, uh, a, a decent part of uh, the first year. And then he's also going to require, as you said, with Keuchel, some time to ramp up and get in condition to throw. So um, uh, if he's going to stick firm to that three years, I don't think he's going to get signed. Uh, Keuchel's a little uh, more realistic. He's only looking for the one year, but I I think he's still looking to exceed the qualifying offer that he turned down from Houston. And that, that may be where he's being optimistic. You know, maybe if he had done that in uh, in February, you know, that would have been enough to get the deal done. But I mean, would you want to pay eighteen yeah. million dollars for him right now? I mean, that that's that's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is what I've heard now is at this point in the year, he's probably not going to sign anywhere, or teams aren't going to sign him. More to the point, until after the draft, because that takes away the, the compensation, the mm-hmm. compensation issue, right? So, so I mean they've they, they've both in a in a sense painted themselves into the corner, and yeah, the the history of people who've been healthy and who've uh, uh, sat out a year and then come back. I don't I don't think uh, I don't think that list is littered with all stars. I mean I, I think that uh, I think that they're playing a, a tough tough game. Yeah, I think they're losing a tough tough game. How about that? Yeah, they're not playing it. They're losing it. Yeah, and you wonder who you know, who's guiding who? Is this is this the agent or is this the player who's who's calling this shot? So, well, it's, if it's it's pretty sad if the if the agent is calling the shot. I know everyone likes to vilify Scott Boris and thinking that he's the uh, the Sith the Sith Lord, but I mean, he's working <laughs> for the player. And it's not like the player says, well, you know, I want to sign tomorrow. And Scott's like, no, 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 you must take my right. advice and nothing else. I mean, I, don't, I just think that's a real simplistic and, and wrong reading of the situation. I, mean, I think Boris no, says, you know, if, if, you, if you're patient, we'll get you this. And, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's blue skying them to death. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you, you can't let the tail wag the dog. Right, right. Yeah, it's I, you know, quite frankly, it's 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 Keiko's career. It's not Boris's, right? Boris will still be pulling out and paychecks from you know his hundred other clients. Exactly. <laughs> where else? Where else? Es- Keiko going to get money them, from? Especially, especially if one of them's Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned Gio Gonzalez, so let's let's talk a, a little bit about him. You know, I think that so much virtual ink was was spilled on. Oh, the Mets have got to get Geo. The Mets have got to get Geo, but I really don't think he'd be uh, much of an upgrade over over Vargas. I mean, I, I think he'd exactly. probably be able to 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 go maybe a little deeper. You know, maybe uh, Vargas gives you four and two thirds, and then maybe uh, maybe he'll give you a five and a third. 
but other than that I think that you're you're looking at pretty much the same quality of pitcher and do you want to spend that much more money on top of what you're already paying Vargas to replicate what he's going to give you I mean that just seems true weird enough to me true enough and and I think quite frankly Milwaukee is a pretty good spot for him because their pitching is in a shambles at the moment you know they're starting their starters are right you know riddled with injury and ineffectiveness so and he knows that team he was he was with them at the end of the year so you know I think I think that's a good fit for him and it's not going to cost the Brewers all that much um because of the deal he signed with the Yankees I think it's like three million dollars or something like that yeah, it's so. it's not even that much up front, but he's probably got some very reasonable uh, incentives, you know, uh, ones that he's likely to make. I think what I heard was that he would get $2 million for the rest of the season guaranteed, and then there was a similar amount of incentives, and maybe they're easy to reach. I haven't heard what they are yet, but... You know, uh, for for his sake, you know, hopefully he can come back and and be a serviceable fifth starter for him because certainly the Brewers could use that. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, we have we have run through all of our questions. Do you have anything that uh, you'd like to throw out there before we sign off? No, just uh, it's good to be back for uh, another season. Um, you know me; I like writing my game recaps, so uh, you'll see my byline there. <laughs> And I thank and I thank you for allowing me to to come back and do that. So, well, Charlie, uh, uh, love to have you both at the the blog and uh, here on the podcast. And of course, you can check out Charlie and and me and all of the other writers over at Mets360.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. <laughs>